This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! photographed on Mars, photographer donates his work to the public domain, traffic mirror selfies, and more. Greetings, everybody. You're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 311 for Sunday, January 29th, 2023. Why every wildlife photographer should safari in Kenya's Masai Mari. Every year from late June through early October, wildlife photographers flock to Masai Mari National Reserve, an area of preserved savanna wilderness in southwestern Kenya. During these months, over a million wildebeest move in mass from the Serengeti to Tanzania, northwards and into the Masai Mari, known as the Great Migration. This event is as spectacular to witness as it is to photograph. WildEye is a South African company specializing in wildlife safari photography expeditions. Each year, the company leads 10 photography safaris to witness the spectacle that is the Great Migration. Over six nights and seven days, photographers are given a front row seat to the action as nearly 500,000 gazelle and zebras accompany 1.5 million wildebeest as they make the perilous journey across the dusty grasslands. Trevor McCall-Pete, a wildlife photographer and wild eye photography guide, has led countless safari photography expeditions in a career that has spanned 15 years. But for him, no other location is as exciting as the Masamari. Quote, each morning I wake up in Masamari, I am filled with excitement as to what the new day has to offer. In the Masamari, especially during the Great Migration, you never know what you're going to see, but you do know that whatever it is, it will be incredible to witness. I have been leading safari trips in the region for years. However, I know that every time I return to the Masamari, I am going to see something I have never seen before. As a wildlife photographer, this leads to capturing portfolio-worthy images each and every time I visit Masamari. Known as one of the seven natural wonders of Africa and one of the ten wonders of the world, the Great Migration begins in the Nangroguru uh, Conservation Area in the south, uh, southern part of Tanzania. The wildebeest move clockwise through the Serengeti National Park as they make their way north towards the Masamari. Between January and March, almost 300,000 zebras will precede the wildebeest and make their way across the plains of the Serengeti on their way to the Masamari for better grazing opportunities. Since the wildebeest will give birth to over half a million calves during the month of February, they do not begin their mass movement until the rainy season ends in May. The wildebeest's first stop is on the banks of Tanzania's Grumeti River, located in Serengeti National Park, northwest of the Nogaruru Conservation Area. The herd will remain here until late June, letting their young gain strength and size by feeding off the abundance of grass found around the river. For those visiting Ankishu, 
Wild Eyes Mara Camp, the photography opportunities become abundant in mid to late July as the wildebeest make their way to the Mara River. In addition to jaw-dropping view of thousands of wildebeest kicking up dust as they pounce into the water, photographers witness dramatic scenes as hungry crocodiles lie under the water waiting for their opportunity to strike their vulnerable prey. Quote, the Mari River is really where you come to watch the show in the Mass of Mari, McCulpete says. The large herds will cross the river multiple times during the Great Migration Period in order to access prime grazing locations. This is where the predators thrive, most notably the massive Nile crocodiles. So as photographers, we always have to be alert. These crocodiles are such effective hunters because of their ability to surprise their prey. So these action-packed moments can happen when you least expect them. While the Great Migration yields plenty of photo-worthy moments, this is not the only time that wildlife photographers choose to visit the Masamari. During the months before and after, the larger crowds that have come for the Great Migration are gone, but the wildlife is still abundant, leading to more intimate encounters between the photographers at Inkishu and the animals they are there to capture. And there are some beautiful images in this story in the show notes. Quote, before we leave for the Mara, we communicate with photographers who will be joining us on safari. The first thing we always recommend is to bring a lot of batteries and memory cards and to never get too relaxed in our safari vehicles. These incredible photography moments always seem to happen when you least expect them. So the best way to avoid missing the shot is to always expect one. While the daily safari drives are always memorable, McCall Pete says that some of his favorite moments actually happen at Wild Eyes Mara Camp in Kishu, which lies on the southern edge of Kenya's Mara Triangle Con uh, Conservancy, close to the Tanzania border and the Serengeti. In years past, the Conservancy leased a fixed number of campsites in two-week increments to safari companies. That all changed in 2017 when the government approached wildlife with a unique proposal. During the Great Migration, countless wildebeest were drowning as they tried to cross a section of the Mara River with an exit that was very difficult to climb. If wildlife invested in a semi-permanent and sustainable camp at the location, the uh, conservancy felt that the wildebeest would avoid the area. The gamble paid off as the wildebeest have found an alternate and safer exit from the Mara River. Quote, out of all the locations that I am fortunate enough to visit, in Kishu feels the most like home, McCall Pete describes. Not only is the camp beautiful, being located right off the banks of the Mara River, but it's also a place where everyone feels like family. We dine together, laugh together, and celebrate together. The celebrations are probably my favorite. When we are out in the bush, it's hard to really know what you are capturing through your lens. But after a long day of photographing, we sit in the camp's media tent as a team and go through the photos that we captured. I can't count how many excited screams I hear as our safari photographers import an image that they immediately know is a once-in-a-lifetime capture. I will never get tired of seeing the excitement and satisfaction that these photos provide to wildlife photographers. Quote, I feel we are not only safari guides, but we are also stewards of this incredible land, McCall Pete concludes. 
The Maasai Mari is one of the most beautiful and unique locations in the world, as it's one of the last places where wild animals truly are wild. This is only possible with conservation efforts and education, and all of us at Wild Eyes strive to contribute productively to both in order to keep the Masamari wild and fascinating for generations to come. More from Trevor McCall-Pete can be found on his Instagram, all photos by Trevor McCall-Pete unless noted. Wild Eye Destination and Photographic is a South African company specializing in wild safari photography expeditions. Wild Eye's destination offerings span six out of seven continents in 25 countries. Whether through group tours, custom itineraries, or private guided tours, their trips appeal to nature lovers, photographers, adventurers, and travel enthusiasts. And I think this is a really great thing. I've always wanted to go down there myself and shoot wildlife. I don't know if I'll ever actually get the opportunity to do it, but it would be fantastic because there's one few things that I love more than photographing wildlife actually in the wild. And it would be cool to get some photographs of lions and cheetahs and other animals that I've never seen in the wild up close. NASA satellite captures a photo of a bear on Mars. A NASA, NASA satellite has captured an unusual object staring out from the surface of Mars, a bear face. The space agency's Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter, operated by the team at the University of Arizona's Lunar and Planetary Laboratory, released the image on Wednesday, January 25th. The high-resolution image science experiment, or HiRISE, captured the image on December 12th with its official Twitter account asking, A bear on Mars? This feature looks a bit like a bear's face. What is it really? The University of Arizona writes. Quote, there's a hill with the V-shaped collapse structure, the nose, two craters, the eyes, and a circular fracture pattern, which make up the head. The circular fracture pattern might be due to settling of a deposit over a buried impact crater. Maybe the nose is a volcanic or mud vent, and the deposit could be lava or mud flows. Before adding, maybe just grin and bear it. While the research team are not totally sure why a bear face is looking out from the surface of the red planet, the internet piled in with predictable puns. Quote, the fact that NASA is hiding the truth about life on Mars is unbearable, writes Don Hammond. Other photographer, uh, others Photoshop pictures onto the face of the actual bear from Earth. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, NASA's high-rise camera Attached to the Mars Reconnaissance Orbiter weighs a huge 143 pounds or 65 kilograms and consists of a 19.7 inch or 0.5 meter aperture reflecting telescope. It's a little over 5 feet, 1.6 meters long. The experiment is a powerful camera with a focal length of 40 feet or 12 meters located on the near side of the spacecraft so it can continuously look at the red planet. It is equipped with 14 detectors, each covered with a filter in the red, near-infrared, or blue-green wavelength bands. HiRISE can acquire images containing as much as 28 gigabytes of data in as little as 6 seconds, according to its NASA profile. It regularly beams back images of Earth's planetary neighbors, such as Mars' massive canyon, the Vals Mariners Canyon. And that's definitely interesting. And it does look a really, it does look a lot like a real bear face, uh, although kind of more like, a, I'd say, 
Meh, cross between a real bear and a cartoon bear. That's just my opinion. Celebrated nature photographer donates life's work to public domain. A noted landscape photographer has donated his entire life's work to the public domain, entrusting it to History Colorado. John Fielder, billed as Colorado's most famous nature photographer, has donated more than 5,000 photographs that immortalize the state's landscapes. 72-year-old Fielder has been photographing Colorado's beauty since 1973 and has taken the decision to revoke his personal rights to the images. Quote, you know, I never felt as if I owned these photos that I'd made and now donated to History Colorado, Fielder says. I'm just very excited that it can be the repository for this, not only physical, in, in, the, in the way of my photographic contribution, but an emotional contribution of someone who is blessed to know he belonged to Colorado from an early age. Fielder's photos are truly special, inspiring wanderlust in the viewer as they are transported to the Dominguez Canyon, Gunnison River, and Eagle's Nest Wilderness. The nature photographer prides himself on having traveled to each of Colorado's 104,984 square miles over the past 40 years. His work has been featured in dozens of books, some of which have picked up awards. His photography has even influenced the passage of laws to protect public lands in Colorado and beyond. Quote, my goal was always to reveal and preserve the essence of the place that I think is the most beautiful on earth, Colorado, Fielder says. I am humbled that these photos have inspired others and spurred the passage of numerous environmentals. Fielder's photography has influenced policy that protects Colorado's lands, including Congress's Colorado Wilderness Act of 1993, which created 36 federally protected wilderness areas that amount to 660,000 acres. History Colorado will look after the collection, which will make it easily accessible and searchable by the public. Over the coming months, the charitable organization will catalog over 5,000 photos and make them digi digitally available. I have both a practical and an emotional connection with History Colorado, Fielder says. I have always been a history buff and ever curious about what life in Colorado was like before I arrived. Seeing the same landscapes that I've explored as they appeared decades ago and through the eyes and lenses of people who share my passion for Earth, Inside History Colorado's collection has always fascinated me. Since History Colorado is a leading institution for historic preservation, it felt like the natural caretaker for my work. And he does have some absolutely stunning images in this article in the show notes, which you can check out for yourself. Definitely some amazing work. Next up, photographer captures rare drone footage of reverse waterfall in Utah. A photographer has captured stunning drone footage of a rare reverse waterfall in Utah. Photographer R.J. Hooper filmed the gravity-defying phenomenon in Kayenta uh, in Ivins, Utah, on January 16th. According to Fox 13, strong winds ripped across the state of Utah that day, creating intense updrafts along a cliff in Kenyenta that caused the waterfall to spray back upwards. Hooper's drone footage shows powerful gusts blowing the waterfall's stream in reverse and back up the steep cliff. 
A reverse waterfall is often considered to be one of the rarest and most spectacular sights in nature. In a post on his Facebook page, Hooper writes of the drone footage, seriously, the most incredible day for such unique conditions. He says the one-minute aerial footage of the reverse waterfall was just a small snippet of the hours of content he shot that day. Hooper recalls how the phenomenon of reverse waterfall is extremely uncommon. Conditions have to be perfect for the rain to wash over the cliffs, let alone flow in reverse. Quote, in the past 20 years, I can only remember a couple of times the waterfalls in Kenyatta, Utah, flowed backwards, Hooper adds. The photographer also notes that he encountered difficulties controlling his drone camera against the strong winds. Hooper says, my drone struggled against a 60-mile-an-hour wind over the cliff edge. A reverse waterfall is a phenomenon in which water is blown upward due to strong wind in waterfalls. Meteorologists say they occur when high winds above 75 kilometers per hour come off the ocean and hit the cliffs with such force that it pushes the water back up the way it came, giving an apparent perception of water flowing upwards. In 2020, Petapixel reported on aerial footage of the incredible reverse waterfalls that were seen over cliffs in Royal National Park just outside Sydney, Australia. The reverse waterfalls were a result of torrential rains combined with high-speed winds off the coast of Australia. As those winds hit the sheer rock face, they did so with such force that they pushed the waterfalls into the air and back onto land. So definitely some wild things that Mother Nature can pull off. And if you're lucky, you might be there to catch it yourself. All right, I'm going to take a break right here, and then I'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com. And you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag. Hashtag Liam Photo Podcast. And now, back to the show. And we're back. The traffic mirror selfie is the latest photo trend of 2023. The first selfie trend of 2023 has arrived featuring distorted faces and exaggerated body parts captured at a surreal angle. Meet the traffic mirror selfie. The photo trend has become a mainstay among Generation Z social media feeds over the past few months, according to a recent piece published by the New York Times. The self-portrait style involves Generation Z taking distorted selfies using their reflection in a convex mirror, which has become known on TikTok as a traffic mirror. According to the New York Times, TikTok uses the term traffic mirror to describe the safety mirrors that enable staff at subway stations and grocery stores to keep watch over a big area. It can also mean the blind spot mirrors that wing out from school buses and 18-wheelers or semi-trailer trucks. These traffic mirrors all have a reflective surface that is convex or curved outwards. The traffic mirror's effect is that it produces a selfie with a strong visual distortion and a strange but fun aesthetic. 
The hashtag Traffic Mirror has over 22 million views on TikTok, and the mirror is promoted as both a selfie tool and an interior design feature. It is distorted aesthetic. The Traffic Mirror selfie has its closest predecessor in fisheye lens photography, a photographic technique which has had a steady resurgence in the last few years. The ultra-wide-angle style of visual documenting has seen a uh, return on Instagram with celebrities like Emma Chamberlain and Devin Lee Carlson posting fisheye lens images. The fisheye lens aesthetic has also appeared on Lord's and Harry Styles' recent album covers. The revival of fisheye lens photography could be down to the fact that it was a signature style of hip-hop music videos and skateboarding films of the 1990s, a decade that Gen Z is fascinated with. The fisheye lens made skateboarders and hip-hop stars look visually larger than life in these videos. For this younger generation, the 1990s represents a cultural landscape only depicted in film photos and Polaroids. The convex lens of a traffic mirror is a way to emulate that unique distorted effect in the fisheye lens photography of this time. The popularity of the traffic mirror selfie can also be linked to the many recent trends that have been seen in Generation Z rebelling against the highly edited, picture-perfect visual, visuals that they grew up seeing on Instagram from their millennial counterparts. These trends include the rise of blurry photos, the return of early 2000s digital cameras, and of course, the 0.5 selfie, which frames the subjects from an equally extreme angle. The traffic mirror provides another intentionally imperfect, imperfect lens for the Generation Z to take photos with. Their out-of-scale reflections imbue their selfies with spontaneity and reverence. Quote, the way the mirrors distort the face and body can take some of the pressure off looking good, author Ellie Robottom tells the New York Times. The proliferation of apps like Facetune to smooth pores and cinch wastes beyond the point of possibility brought about a no-filter backlash that seems to emphasize authenticity. Now, it's a hashtag no-filter, but even some of that so-called realness still required self-manipulation. Looking absolutely bizarro online is Gen Z's rejection of both approaches. Robottom adds, we've exited the conventional era of the selfie that began in 2012, 2013 with the advent of Instagram. Definitely <laughs> a unique perspective and a unique way to do a selfie, I guess. Tilta's camera battery grip provides up to 170% longer shoot times. Tilta's new battery grip not only improves ergonomics, but also holds a rechargeable 50-watt-hour battery that can provide 60-watt power delivery via USB-C connection. Tilta produces a range of accessories that enhance the base shooting experiences for multiple cameras, including an add-on SSD for any Sony Alpha camera that uses CF Express Type-A or a cooling fan for the EOS R5. The company's new grip is technically called the left side PD handle with run stop types type eight weighs 480 grams and connects to a camera rig via a NATO attachment receiver. However, the company does offer other mounting options. Once attached, it features an easy to operate release lever that allows the camera's operator to adjust the handle's angle per individual comfort or shooting needs. The base of the handle features a quarter 20 thread with locating points as well as a magnetic fallen key for adjusting an M3 screw. 
Tilta says its grip is constructed of high-grade materials and covered with a non-slip grip that has enhanced carry security thanks to the support for wrist straps. Once connected to a camera rig, the rig improves ergonomics while also providing the option for extended recording times via a built-in Panasonic battery cell. Tilta says the high-performance battery works between minus 4 and 140 degrees Fahrenheit and provides 60-watt power delivery to any camera that can be connected to an external power source. The top of the grip has a cable clamp tie-down that prevents the cable from being accidentally yanked out, a cold shoe receiver to add additional accessories, and two USB-C ports, one which is capable of delivering the requisite power for extending shooting times on connected cameras, and the other for run-stop control. For example, Tilta says that its battery grip will extend shooting times on the Canon EOS R5, R5C, and R6 Mark II, as well as the Lumix S5 Mark II and GH6, along with Blackmagic Pocket Cinema Camera 4K, 6K, and 6K Pro cameras. How much power a videographer can expect the grip to provide depends on the setup, but Tilta says that shooters can expect up to 170% longer shoot times compared to just using a camera's standalone battery. For example, Tilta says that shooters can expect to get 35 minutes of shooting at 4K 60p with the Canon EOS R5C alone. But its research lab found that with the battery grip, that balloons up to 110 minutes at the same resolution and frame rate settings. The Panasonic S5 II grows from 50 minutes to 145 minutes. The Fujifilm X-H2S from 70 minutes to 195 minutes. And Sony's FX3 goes from providing 90 minutes of shooting time to a whopping 245 minutes when connected to Tilta's grip. The Tilta left side PD handle with run stop type 8 grip is available directly from Tilta for $179.10. That's not a bad price, especially for a grip device that gives you that much in additional shooting time on a multitude of cameras. That's quite an impressive accomplishment, if you ask me. And now we'll head on over to the rumor site, starting with Canon rumors. Patent, Canon is actively developing fast mirror lenses. Mirror lenses have a bad rap, as most of the implementations out there are for long and slow lenses. This patent discovered by Absinet shows that Canon has been working on fast aperture mirror lenses. Whether these ever make it to market remains to be seen. First up, we have a Canon 300mm f2.4 mirror lens, focal length 298.89mm, f number 2.28, half angle of view 4.14 degrees, height 21.64mm, length overall 177.20mm, with a back focus of 65.95mm. Then we have the Canon 400mm f5 mirror lens, focal length 408.04mm, f number of 5, half angle of view 3.04 degrees, height is 2164, length overall is 189.17mm with a back focus of 47.69mm. And it would be interesting, I did many, many years ago have a mirror lens myself that was an 800mm, but it was like an f8 or an f 16 or something like that. So I would absolutely love to see these kind of lenses come to market. Even though I don't shoot Canon anymore, I still think it's a pretty cool concept to have fast, wide aperture mirrored lenses. 
Current Canon USA rebates on RF lenses. Canon USA has an active rebate program on various Canon RF lenses. These rebates will run until at least the end of this month. The Canon RF 5.2mm f2.8L dual fisheye, $17.99, regular price is $19.99. The Canon RF 14-35 F4L ISUSM, $14.99, regular price is $16.99. The Canon RF 15-35 f2.8L ISUSM, $21.99, regular price is $23.99. The Canon RF 16mm f2.8 STM, $249, regular price is $299. The Canon RF 50mm f1.2 LUSM, $2,099, regular price is $2,299. The Canon RF 50mm f1.8 STM, $159, regular price is $199. The Canon RF 70 to 200 F4L ISUSM 1599 regular price is 17.99. The Canon RF 85 mm F1.2 LUSM 2599 regular price is 27.99. The Canon RF 85 mm F1.2 LUSM DS 2899 regular price is $3,099. The Canon RF 85mm F2 IS Macro STM at $499 regular price is $599. The Canon RF 100mm F2.8 L IS Macro $1199 regular price is $1399. The Canon RF 100-400mm F5.6-8 IS USM $499 regular price is $649. And the Canon RF 600mm F11 IS STM 699 regular price is 799 and finally the Canon RF 800 millimeter f11 is STM is 899 regular price is 999 now keep in mind when you buy refurbished lenses from Canon you do get the original one-year factory warranty and when it's L glass it does tend to sell out quickly so if you want any of those lenses you better bust your wallet out pretty fast The first refurbished Nikon Z cameras have started showing up online. Nikon USA started selling refurbished Z9 cameras for $4,499.95. This is a $1,000 off the regular price of $5,496.95. Unfortunately, all refurbished Z cameras are already sold out, but there are a few other Z9 deals. Amazon has renewed Z9 cameras available in stock for $4,659.95. Use Nikon Z in condition 10, good as new, for uh, $4,946.95. Adorama offers a free capture 123 license with the purchase of a Nikon Z9. And eBay has open box Nikon Z9 cameras starting from around $4,550. Refurbished Nikon gear is sold at Adorama, B&H, Amazon, eBay, and Bydig. More Amazon-renewed products can be found at the accompanying link in this article in the show notes. And additional information can be found at a second link as well. The new Nikon Nikkor Z40mm f2.0 SE lens is now in stock in the U.S. and Germany. This new lens is available at Adorama, B&H Photo, Photo Earnhardt, Photo Koch, and Calumet. And now on over to Fuji Rumors, say big on Fujifilm Instax Link Wide Printer. 
in stock for $119.95, an instant savings of $30. Fujifilm has just launched this rebate on the Fujifilm Instax wide, uh, link-wide printer. You can save 20% on the printer, and as far as I can see, only B&H Photo offers also a free wide film pack on top of it worth another 20 bucks. Get the deal at B&H Photo here and other stores like Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera. And in Europe, while some Amazon EU branches are also offering rebates, make sure to check out your local Amazon. Instax Link Wide Printer, available at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Focus Camera. The Instax Wide Black Film, Amazon, B&H Photo, and Adorama. Instax Wide Color Film, Amazon, B&H Photo, and Adorama. Instax Wide Monochrome Film, Amazon, B&H Photo, and Adorama. DP Review TV declares Fujifilm's GFX100S the best camera for landscape photography. Which are the best cameras for landscape photography? Well, DP Review TV looks at three different price points and makes its recommendations. There is also a Fujifilm camera among the winners. The Fujifilm GFX100S is the money is no object category. DP Review TV says, quote, there is no disputing that the Fujifilm GFX medium format cameras are the best option for landscape. Our choice is the Fujifilm GFX100S, which is not what is not to love? You get that amazing 100 megapixel sensor, clearly well-suited for landscape photography. We also prefer the GFX100S's body over the GFX100 because it is more compact. You get nice ergonomics. The Fuji Fuji style tilt screen is certainly nice for landscapes when you're at awkward angles and it's just easier to travel with. Fujifilm also has an excellent line of lenses, including the GF20-35 to F4, which is a very rare and medium format to have an ultra-wide range like that, and it's also a very sharp lens. It has IBIS that is very effective. If you need more megapixels, you can shoot multi-shot and get 400 megapixel images. There is simply no better pick for landscape photography than the GFX100S if money is no object. And you can find Fujifilm GFX gear, uh, the GFX100S at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Moment. The GFX 50S2 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Moment. The Fujifilm GFX100 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. The GFX 50R, which is the one I have, at B&H Photo, Adorama, and Amazon. The G, uh, Fujifilm GFX 50S at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. The GF 23mm F4, which I have at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. The GF 30mm F3.5 at the same three retailers. The GF 45 F2.8 at the same three retailers. The GF 50mm F3.5, which I also have at the same three retailers. The GF 63mm F2.8, the same retailers. The GF 80mm F3.5. F1.7 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Moment. The GF 110mm F2 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. The GF 120 F4 at B&H Photo, Adorama, Amazon US. The GF 250 F4 at B&H Photo, Adorama, and Amazon. The GF 20-35 F4 at B&H Photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Moment. The GF 32-64 
or um, yeah, 64 F4, a B&H photo, Adorama on Amazon. The GF 35 to 70, which I recently got, F4, 5 to 5.6, a B&H photo, Amazon US, Adorama, and Moment. The GF 45 to 100 F4, a B&H photo, Amazon US, and Adorama. And the GF 100 to 200 F5.6 at the same three retailers. So there you have all of that great, but not cheap, GFX gear. And now wrapping up with Sony Alpha Rumors, EU deals ending at midnight, 100 euros off on a lot of Sony gear and 5% off third-party lenses. A ton of deals will end on midnight at Photo Koch and Photo Earnhardt. Some special mentions up to 100 euros off on a lot of Sony gear at Photo Koch. Use code OBJEKTV-5 at Photo Earnhardt Germany. Click here to save 5% on Samyang and Wellamex. Lala, Siru, Eryx, TT Artisans, Seven Artisans, Tamron, Zeiss, and Tokina email lenses. 70 euros off on the new Samyang 85mm F1.4 Mark II lens at Photo Earnhardt. And 100 euros off on the Samyang 135mm F1.8 lens at Photo Earnhardt. And finally, wrapping up today's episode, new firmware update for multiple Sigma E-mount lenses. Sigma issued a new firmware update for six E-mount lenses. Updates for the 24th millimeter F35 DGDN and the 90 millimeter F2.8 DGDN supported the AF assist function during movie shooting. And we have optimized the focus distance displayed on the screen during manual focus. Updates for the 35mm f1.2 DGDN, the 45mm f2.8 DGDN, and the 105mm f2.8 DGDN macro supported the AF assist function during movie shooting. And updates for the 100-400 f5-6.3 DGDN OS support the AF assist function during movie shooting. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you're in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. All right, that's going to wrap up episode 311 of the Liam Photography Podcast. I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing in Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. If you're not currently a subscriber, why not? It's absolutely free. doesn't cost you anything but a second of your time to hit the subscribe button. So do it now, please, and share the show out on social media and elsewhere with all your friends and family and ask them to give the show a subscribe and listen. 
Now, also remember, I do now have my own discount code for Platypod branded products at platypod.com. You can use my code LD20 and that'll save you 20% off on all individual Platypod branded products. It does not include bundles, which are already discounted, and it also does not apply to square jellyfish or Loom Cube branded items, but it does not expire, so you can use the code over and over again. Also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, comment on them, share them out on social media, and hit the little bell icon so you can be notified when new content drops. Today, I'll be releasing my next video, an unboxer review of a Leo Photo tripod. You definitely don't want to miss that one. Also, I wanted to thank everybody for helping my channel get to over 6,000 subscribers. I know it's not a lot, but it is important to me. And I want to thank you all very much for being kind enough to continue to support my channel. All right, that is it, everybody. I will see you all again on Thursday.